Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are going to talk about Brown's defense today. And if you've missed, a couple things have gone on uh, as you're checking in. I'm recording this on Tuesday night. Um, Make sure you check out the Chalk Talk session that was up. I have a part of that recording for this podcast where we talk about all these COVID issues that have sprung up and sort of reaction to them and how the team adjusts, so on and so forth. Check that out. Also, the last hour of that is a huge defense breakdown on what the Browns did to the Ravens in Week 14, found success. So, uh, yeah, check that out. John Stephenson crushed it, as he always does. It's worth your time. Uh, please, like I said, check that out if you are curious about what the Browns did from a film perspective. So I'm going to share with you first some of the data behind this game and what the Browns did. So things that caught my eye here from a numbers perspective. They got some stuff going on outside the box here, and I think I think they deserve credit. Joe Woods deserves credit because we asked, we kept asking, you know, what were they going to do to sort of change the approach, right? What were they going to do to manipulate with what Baltimore struggled with? Well, some things have transpired that I really enjoy. They only played base four times. And as you know, the Ravens run a ton of heavy personnel packages, right? So they only played base four times, 56 snaps of nickel and eight snaps of dime, putting their best football players on the field. Joe Woods has identified those by the end of the year, and they're doing a great job with it. What I was particularly keen on in this game Uptick in blitzing, not just an uptick in blitzing, but an uptick in really aggressive blitzing. Most of the time Joe Woods blitzes, it's usually five guys. He'll do it 10-ish, 7 to 12 times a game, depending on the opponent. Well, in this one, he got really crazy, and for his standards. He brought four, four, uh, sorry, six or more blitzers four times, and they have only done six or more. The other high in a game was three times. Um... And that was against Baltimore the first time. So they have got really aggressive. They also did it seven rushers uh, two times in this game. They've only done it four times for the entire season. So they did it three times against Baltimore over the last two matchups here. That's telling you he's bending on how he plays. Another thing of particular interest to me, uh, to me they did cover zero six times. When you do cover zero, that means a ton a ton of blitzing, putting your guys on islands. They did it six times in this game alone. They've only done it 21 times this year. They've done it 14 of those 21 have come in the last two weeks against the Ravens. So he was aggressive. Cover one 14 times. You get 20 snaps of the Browns playing man-to-man aggressive defense. Cover three 23 times. Cover four 24 times. Those are ordinary. They played cover six um, uh, three times as well, which I like as a nice mix-up to some of their uh, poach stuff they like to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I just really like the six plus rushers, um, you know, six times, you know, the other highest, like I said, was three. So if you include the six rushers and the seven rushers, that includes that six snaps with six or more, there's, there's the most they had done before in a single game was three and they've done it. They did it six times in this game alone. Super aggressive. I'm going to write this up, give you some film idea 
uh, for you subscribers out there who subscribe to the website, it'll be a VIP piece. So you can see exactly what Woods did to get aggressive in this game. They, uh, they've only done, or sorry, the cover zero stuff they did, or sorry, excuse me, cover one, they did 14 times. That's the highest they've done this year outside of the Arizona game. They did 15. They also did it 14 times in New England and Cincinnati. So we have seen an uptick there. But for perspective, they've had 865 defensive snaps. Only again, four times have they brought seven or more blitzers in any pass rushers, I should say, in any given play. And they've done it these last two weeks. So while not as wholesale crazy as what maybe Miami had done against Baltimore uh, about a month ago, they did go against the grain, get aggressive, and it worked out. It worked out really well for the most part. Until the fourth quarter when that whole avalanche started, they gave up 170 yards in the fourth quarter alone, pass yards. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. They had played really good football up to that point. And if you're if you're curious how the 170 yards came to be in the fourth quarter passing, check out that Twitch video. That's where you can see some of the one-on-one issues with Greedy. I didn't think it was a scheme issue. I just thought... Uh, I just thought that the, the, there were some one-on-one opportunities that Huntley took advantage of that, was, that were pretty effective for them. And, you know, I thought Woods did a great job on that last series when the Ravens recovered the onside kick. I mean, how many times have we felt like the Browns would just give up a couple first downs, Tucker kicks it, game over, unbelievable loss. But no, they showed up and got it done. They went straight up cover zero, six rushers, cover zero against everybody the Ravens had on the field from a pass-catching perspective and made a great play. Denzel Ward drove on the football on that slant, and and really I just was impressed with it because that's the stuff we want to see from Woods. In the game, Miles Garrett had an 89.7 grade, a 90.5 pass rush. three Only three total pressures, a little low, two hurries, but his sack fumble and recovery return for a touchdown changed the entire course of the game. Fantastic stuff, and that's why his grade shoots up. He had three stop tackles on the day. Tack McKinley, sup? It sucks he's on the COVID list, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Eight pressures on the day for him. Five hurries, two hits, and a sack. Phenomenal game. A 76.8 pass rush grade for him. And then uh, Devin Clowney had five uh, total pressures, two sacks, and then three hurries. So he had spring plays. You know, he didn't consistently rush well. That's why I think Clowney's grade was a 60.9 in pass rush. But when he was dominant, he was dominant, and he got it done. Um, JOK had a decent day, good tackling mark. Good in coverage, a 67.4, 66.2, fourth highest grade, sorry, fifth highest grade among guys who played a lot of snaps. He played 72 total snaps, take off the three no plays. He, I mean, the, the Ravens ran 69 total plays He's on the field all the time, and he should be on the field all the time. I'm happy the last two weeks they have started to apply that, putting him on the field all the time. John Johnson played very well, four stop tackles, five total tackles on the day. 73.2 defense grade, 83.5 coverage, 71.2 run defense, and a 66.7 in coverage feels fitting to me. Denzel Ward graded a little lower than I thought he should have been graded. They gave him six catches on eight targets, 45 yards. I didn't love it. I mean, I responsibility stuff, I just thought he was really good in coverage. He was very sound when the ball didn't come his direction. I just really liked how he played. A 67.9 coverage grade, I don't think it does it total justice. Uh, where they struggled was Greedy, who gave up 100 passing yards on his own. He graded a 49.7 in coverage. Six of eight targets his direction were caught 100 yards. The uh, touchdown passes allowed. Malcolm Smith responsible for one. 
Um, that Mark Andrews touchdown in the end zone to make it 25, 20, or sorry, 24, 22. And then, uh, that actually was the only passing touchdown for the Ravens on the day. I think that they've given credit for. So yeah, that's, that's the gist of, you know, sort of w- what happened. Actually, no, there was the Bateman touchdown that greedy gave up. I don't know why they, I don't know why they don't have that greedy should have been responsible for it. Maybe they're saying, that there was a push off on that play that that didn't end up being one that he was responsible for. I don't know. Kind of strange from the metric standpoint there. There were, let me see if there were any PBUs or anything worth talking about. There was one pass breakup on the day from Troy Hill. Troy was fine. His uh, run defense continues to be great out of the slot. 81.9, 82.6. He did give up six of seven catches, 58 yards. So his coverage grade 56.4. So hard to trust coverage stuff all the time. Jacob Phillips was fine. He had he had a couple stop tackles. He didn't miss any tackles. He played 28 snaps on the day. 68 coverage grade, which is strong. He, he only gave up one catch for 2 yards. Uh the run defense stuff was not not great. A 43.9. So I'm going to dig into that a little cuz people were asking. So I'll check into that. Otherwise, guys who had the worst grade, Malik Jackson continues to battle a knee injury. His run defense stuff is struggling. He had an under 40 score in run defense. Uh, pass rushing was a 54.2. Malik McDowell had a couple pressures, a couple hurries. He had a nice day from that perspective, was fine-ish on the day in 28 snaps. Sheldon Day was fine as well. He had a tackle, a batted ball. I do like Sheldon Day as a rotational piece. I did like Grant Delpit also getting high volume of snaps in this game. Almost every single snap. I should mention JOK was off the field a couple. But I really like Delpit. I mean, obviously Grant Delpit was going to play because of Ronnie Harrison. But Delpit ends up on the day. Uh, he does get a pressure in a blitz scenario. He ended up with nine tackles. One stop tackle. He had an 84.8 grade in the tackle department. But they kind of graded him out average across the board on everything else. He had a 57.9 on the day and a 60.6 in coverage. He was fine. He gave up four catches in his, his general direction on four targets, 17 yards. Again, I didn't think the defense was perfect, but they did enough. They created a touchdown. They did enough to get the game in their favor. They got the great two-point conversion stop, which Delpit picked off on the scramble to the right from Huntley, and then they did a great job. That I cannot say how great a job they did uh, making that final stop because you all felt the momentum and the world crashing down, your season's on the balance, because you know if Justin Tucker gets a chance, a legitimate chance to kick it, it's going through the uprights the way he goes, and especially against Cleveland. So that would have been frustrating. But they overcame it. They persevered. They did a great job. And I continue to say that this defense is heading in the right direction. So proud of them. They get a great chance against a Raiders team that's struggling coming up this week. They're going to need them because most of the guys not on the COVID list um, are defensive important pieces. So they, we hope and pray that by the time you listen to this on Wednesday morning or whenever that there's nobody else added to the COVID list. The defense has a chance to rise up and play well. We'll keep our fingers crossed on that. I'm excited to see where they're going. You got all the coverage data. You got some of the players metrics were on the field. We are going to shift over to the, to the first half hour of the chalk talk. If you're interested in sticking around where myself and Steven Thomas go back and forth on this COVID stuff, what our thoughts are, who we think the replacements are, what scheme things they can do on offense to help themselves out and then guys that they just have to have by the weekend. So let's get over to that right now. And um, reminder, this is on Twitch every Tuesday at 7 o'clock, so make sure you're tuning into those and would appreciate your uh, follow and possibly a subscription there. Let's get over to that right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's happening, guys? Welcome into Chalk Talk. It's going to be a little different today. As you know, we got a lot of different things we need to discuss. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what you guys are willing to to handle uh, in terms of questions or what you think about what's going on. We wanted to just kind of riff through some of the thoughts around what this will look like. If you happen to miss Monday, I'm going to start doing this on Monday mornings. Now, the beautiful thing is Twitch saves every single broadcast we do. So like Monday mornings, I'm going to go live and look at the offense, just like my first watch. We're still going to do these on Tuesday night, but with what happened today, we are going to switch it up and kind of just focus on defense. But if you are curious about what happened on the offensive side of the football uh, in the uh, Twitch library, you will find my Monday, uh, I don't even know what to call it, like a first watch, first rewatch or whatever, all 22 angles for you uh, to, to consume with my thoughts as we went through it. So that's about an hour and 20 minutes and some change. So you can go back and watch that if you would like. Um, Steve, welcome in. Going to be here for a little bit as we start. How are you, man? Living the dream, man. You know, I, uh, why, why do we do this to ourselves? So <laughs> I know it's a good question. It's a good question. So the guys who uh, are out, I mean, we started to hear buzz this morning. This was coming, trying to then Brad, our Brad Stainbrook's trying to figure it out all day, all morning, kind of starts to get some leaks in. And it was ugly. It was, it was ugly um, in a sense that, I mean, it could have been worse, always could be worse, but a lot of important players. Well, it's only Tuesday. So it is only Tuesday. So we have uh, <laughs> Scotty Logjob. Thanks for the uh, three months of subscription. We appreciate that. At tier two. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Appreciate that very much. Uh, so we'll go through the important, the most important players. Austin Hooper, um, you know, your feelings about Austin Hooper or whatever, uh, you know, about how he's performed. But he played every single snap on offense Sunday. So he is important to what they do, their operation. We will see if they get back later in the week, you know, uh, Harrison Bryant. I don't know. David will come off of his COVID list last week. Who knows? 
we'll see if they get those guys back. If they don't get those guys back, it's a real struggle. I mean, the Miller Forrestall and some others. I mean, they lost Ross Travis, their other practice squad tight end to COVID uh, to the list here. So, and these, again, these are all eight positives. So it makes it even worse (laughs) to stomach, but uh, Jarvis is done. It looks like he's on the list. Tack McKinley's on the list coming off of his, probably his best performance in a Browns uniform, Steve. That's, that's tough. Uh, Wyatt Teller is uh, on the list. The, the two offensive linemen, Wyatt and Jedrick. And then from the placed on the practice squad, COVID-19 tracker there, Jojo Nats and, and Ross Travis. And then they signed Jamarcus Bradley just to, just to make sure they have enough bodies. I mean, it's Higgins, Peoples Jones, and Jamarcus Bradley looks like your group. So, um, and Jojo Nats and yeah, and if they don't get those tight ends back, I mean, we talk, we've talked all year about, you know, can they stick Janovich out there? Can they bring up Johnny Stanton because he played tight end in the, in the preseason? They may have no choice at you know because it's almost impossible to find somebody to come in, learn enough of the offense. I mean, people have been saying I've been seeing it all day. Well, they you know who's available? Who can they sign? Well, first they have to be vaccinated so they have time to clear protocols, yep. and second. It, it, they very well could be the only tight end on the roster. So, I, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, Jake, but somebody to come in off the street and learn enough of the playbook to not only play, but play basically the whole game because they're yeah. the only tight end on the roster. That seems impossible to me. So it is impossible. It, it's going to be a jerry-rigged offense somehow, some way, unless we get really lucky with Najoku and Harrison Bryant coming back. Yeah. Anthony Schwartz. I mean, I've never seen Kevin run an offense without a tight end. They played um, – I mean, I guess they could slap a – well, they can't even do that because they have to use Hanson Dunn this week as starters. Last week they played Hans 17 snaps as the additional lineman. Sorry. Um, yeah, they played Hans 17 snaps as the right. kind of a tight end. This is tight end wearing number 62. He actually he actually did go out on a route. He uh, That Hooper touchdown, he went on a little uh, down block reverse pivot. Could have caught him a touchdown, but um, I don't know what they'll do. I mean, they're going to have to run – 14 i mean like they're gonna have to run four wideouts with so i don't even know who the fourth wideout would be in this scenario i mean who am i missing that to play Demetric felton that'd be their fourth wideout because you got kareem's already said that he's unlikely to play they said that today so anthony schwartz still in concussion protocol yeah, you're you looking at Natson. literally well no jojo natson's on the oh that's right he went over the list sorry. too and you got lawrence cager on the practice squad yeah so those are your four that's it five bodies you have your two running backs, Dearnest and Nick, and then you have Donovan Peoples-Jones, Rashard Higgins, Jamarcus Bradley, Lawrence Cager, and then Demetric Felton's your wild card between the two roles. So it is uh, it's going to be weird. I mean, the hope is the silver lining would be that you get back by the end of the week your two tight ends that are you know you know you desperately need. You need David back, and you definitely need. Harrison Bryant back, um, you know, so I, I'm not sure. I mean, Miller Forrestal, I should say, too, he would be a part of that group. I, I don't know how he played, what, eight snaps the other day? So it's not like they feel all too comfortable with him being on the field. And that's a, a, choice, game, though, a byproduct. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. But that I just uh, I just wanted to bring you on, Steve, to chat about the weirdness and what it could look like. And, and it does feel – like there's potentially uh, more coming because, you know, you haven't had another day of testing where, you know, it could pop up after another day. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess it's, 
it's what do you what do you do? Will you shrug your shoulder? I mean, I, the the big question is, does it eventually become too much to overcome? Even if the Raiders have been playing bad football, just got blown out by the Chiefs, they seem to be on a downhill slide themselves. It does start to begin to be like a situation where it's too much to overcome. You can't the Browns' offense as it was with everybody was struggling uh, mightily. Now you get this. What are you going to do? I don't know what they do. I mean, I the, the, the guess they can gun gun. The the thing I would do in this situation, Steve, is if, is if there's my situation is the guys we said, it would almost have to be like the Cardinals offense to an extent gun based stuff. They do power counter, some inside zone, little outside zone. And then you have four wide outs and you have to space the field. There's nothing else you can do. I don't know. I mean, I, I would rather have Lawrence Cager on the field than Miller Forrestall. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not sure what else they can do. Did they get to practice today? I'm not even sure if they got to practice today. Um, I think they did a, a walkthrough. I, I, but, yeah, it's – I mean, you've got the two running back. As of today, as several people have noted in the chat, and you and I were t- texting back and forth during the day today, this is – it's only Tuesday. And I guess overall we shouldn't be shocked. You know, the Rams had a big outbreak. Uh, you know, the Lions had, what, 13 people last week. And so the way it's going in the country, it was – to think that it wouldn't hit NFL locker rooms in the same way was not, would be naive. So um, the first and foremost, we just want these guys to all get, you know, be healthy and hopefully none of them get hit bad with it. But um, what do you, I don't know. I, I mean, if Nick uh, Dearness and Demetric Felton all make it through to Saturday, let's just assume that I, I I'm with you. I don't think you have a choice, but to take one of them and stick them in the slot. And try to get probably all three of them on the field at the same time because unless David Njoku and Harrison Bryant come back, those three running backs are basically your best threats. Really, you know, I, I mean, they're going to, you know, if they're smart, they'll double DPJ because he's the only real threat out there at wide receiver. And you have, yeah, you're going to have to try to take advantage of that somehow. And the only way to do that is with the backs because that's the strength of your team. But then you throw on top of that, they're shuffling at least two players uh, on the offensive line. Um, and you know, I saw somebody today suggest, why don't they kick Batonio out to left tackle? And then, uh, you know, um, I forget how they had the hands at guard and, and Hudson at right tackle. Well, you could, and, and you know, who knows, they may end up thinking that that's their best option, but I, I think that you only want to shuffle two. You don't want to shuffle three unless you absolutely have to, uh, on the offensive line. So I, the defense is going to have to play like they did the last couple of weeks against the Ravens, they're going to have to shut down. And if Darren Waller doesn't play, that will help uh, tremendously from the defensive side. But yeah, the defense is absolutely going to have to win this game. You know, people have said, you know, well, just, you know, run the ball and control the clock. Well, you can't, if if you have (laughs) nobody playing the offensive line either, I, you know, it's, there's almost certainly going to be more positives. Um, And if there's no close contacts, I would be shocked. Now I will say this technically, there's still a chance some of these guys, because as far as I know, most of them, if not all of them, are vaccinated. And if you're vaccinated, it's the two tests 24 hours apart if you're asymptomatic. So there still technically would be time. I don't think we're going to find out whether they are vaxxed or not. Uh, We definitely won't from Kevin or Andrew. The players themselves might say something. but So there's still a chance that they could come back uh, by Saturday. But at this point, I you know, who knows? Uh, and somebody asked in the uh, um, in the chat there, is there a forfeit rule? There is. 
but only if the big COVID outbreak is with unvaccinated players. And I think the last time we saw the Browns were at like 96%, 97%, something like yeah. that. So mathematically, it would seem that most of these are vaccinated players, which means there is no forfeit rule. Uh, as I read it, I could be wrong. But um, so that's, that's the answer to that question. But yeah, what are they going to do? I We're going to have to we're all just going to have to wait and see. It's kind of it's kind of like opening a Christmas present. I you have no idea what you're going to get until you pull the wrapper off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I would imagine the big testing day is tomorrow. If they get through tomorrow unscathed, um, they'll have a they'll have a chance to at least know where they're going by the end of the week. Because you know, I don't imagine with these guys being on what you would hope is total lockdown, that if you test a negative tomorrow, you would hope that there would not be a test positive the day after. So that's the hope. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get through tomorrow and you can get the tight ends back, I think you have a real chance. I've talked today. Yeah. I think the offensive line more than likely is left tackle is hands, right tackles Hudson, your right guard is done. And I know that's not optimal, but it is not that bad. There are worse offensive lines playing in the NFL on Sundays right now. Trust me on that. There are it's not optimal. It's not optimal. You know, it's really not. But at the Much same time, less, yeah. I, I think we have to to really understand that it's not like laughably all time bad. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 okay. I mean, it's not good, but it's okay. You can win a game if you if you have a nice game plan and you execute. They can still win this football game if they get the tight ends back. If they don't get right. David and Harrison Brett and Harrison Bryant at the minimum, David, I start to really worry. Like I, I do think that they're just going to be out of because Bryant's dealing with the ankle, and and, and that means he's not going to be fully at his best, right? And then you have to say consider. Um, the hope that David is truthful about, I don't feel anything. And he comes back. So that gives you a chance with one tight end. The Browns were, I thought they executed pretty well in the first half with the group they had. I and mean, the second half is a different mm-hmm. discussion, but they're functioning. They're a functioning group of what they like to do. The thing that does stink is that it's like the worst timing for a Thursday game or sorry, a Saturday game, because you right. lose that extra day where you could get somebody back off the list. So um, that part's tough. It's uh, a little bit uh, disappointing in terms of the timing of it. I didn't see. I mean, the Ram, how many did the Rams have? I'm not even totally uh, I think sure. Seven. Okay, so it is Browns and Rams, which is strange. Did Baltimore have any? I didn't see if Baltimore. Uh, had I any. saw they had a backup center uh, went on one um, okay. went on today, um, but we'll see. And the other thing too is we could they'll retest them again tonight and tomorrow and all that kind of stuff because uh, Tyler Higby was held out of the Rams game. And then this morning he's back because it turned out to be a false positive. So if you want to look for another, you know, tiny little glimmer of hope, maybe one or two of them lucks out and gets a false pause. I don't know. You know, it's still four days away. So uh, the way this is gone, we, you know, I, who knows? It could go much yeah. worse or it could get a little bit better. And I think you're absolutely right. If, if they can get at least one of the tight ends back, you know, it, hopefully both. 
there's enough there that they can scale it down, make it real simple, give those tackles and guards help with the tight ends, use Janovich, maybe call up Stanton as another guy that can help lead block and, you know, try to lean on Nick, you know, for the whole game. Um, and, you know, who knows, maybe they get really lucky and, and Kareem Hunt says, no, I'm going to go play, you know, but uh, you can't count on that kind of stuff. I think they can. Um, maybe we get lucky and there's rotten weather and that sort of evens the playing field and they can yeah. eke out a nine to six type, you know, rotten weather kind of win or something like that. So, uh, but again, as we sit here on Tuesday, this is only the first day and several people in the chat have noticed, noted this, you know, we've said it on Twitter, you know, all day, the OBR forums have been talking about it all day. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine that this is it, you know, it, it's hard. To, I mean, we hope that there's no more, but it's hard to imagine that this is all that's going to happen uh, in Cleveland and probably around the league too, if we're being real honest. Yeah. That, that starts to get the question of, should and I know we might be getting a little hypothetical in the weeds here a bit, but does does the team that's approaching the playoffs like Cleveland need to be locking down, right? Like, do they need to be not going out or doing it? I'm, you know, I don't think it. I think guys are still going about their lives from everything I gather in the Cleveland area, and it's like I think there should be some consideration with something like this that would tell me we should be locked down. I know they're in advanced protocols, but I would think that the worst thing that could happen for this team right now is these sorts of things coming up. And I just wonder how serious they've been taking it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Steve. I, I just know that it, it it's, it's crazy to me. It's weird that the Browns would have this type of outbreak and no, I mean, I guess just doesn't Joku launch it around the team. You know, it's just so weird that they all come back Monday and they have this issue. Right. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know talking out of the side of my mouth a little no yeah i'm with you and as far as locking them down i don't think yeah i mean these are grown men so i don't think i mean maybe you can uh but that you can say you know you're not allowed to do anything but come to the building and 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 then go home and all that kind of stuff because they're grown men and they're they're going to do whatever they want and you know even if you do lock them down some of them are going to go out and do it that's just the way of the world but i think Maybe in the locker room, the team leaders, you know, Miles and, and Baker and, and those guys that, you know, are have the leadership positions. If they said something like, look, you know, we're right in the thick of this playoff hunt. So don't be stupid. Don't be going out to a club. Don't be, you know, yeah. they, they can strongly suggest it to their teammates and then see what happens from there. But as far as locking them down, I just I don't I mean, maybe, but I don't I, I don't know if you can do that or not. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a really weird, uh, really unfortunate situation. We will be back all week with our best explanation for what's going on. Try to keep you guys filled in, um, you know, as, as best we can. I know Brad will be on the charge, Steve, uh, to, to, to make sure he breaks anything that comes of these things. I'm not sure if there's been anything else tonight. I am, I have no clue on that, but it seems like we we will be right around the cusp of letting you know when we hear anything. Keep it prepared. We'll probably write up something at the OBR this week about here's what the uh, potential lineup will look like. If it gets worse, then we'll address how they handle the getting worse part. You bring some of these defensive guys over and let them play both ways like it's 1972 or something. I don't know. When did playing both ways go out of style in the NFL? The 70s? 
60s? The mid-60s, yeah. Mid-60s, okay. I was off by a decade. And there's a question in here. Uh, I, I I thought we could uh, – I had some thoughts on it. You probably do too. Uh, yes, the, the short answer is yes. Um, the, the Raiders are really going bad right now and a, a thumping to a uh, hated rival like they took last week, just an absolute beatdown, can be the death knell. It can break a – a locker room apart and they've already been dealing with all kind with the Gruden situation and the whole thing, all this stuff going on this year uh, with the Raiders, they're in a very precarious situation that they could, but I think, and you, you alluded to this uh, earlier today, I think on Twitter, Jake, yeah. the big thing where the answer would be no um, or probably not anyway, is the edge rushers and the tackles, because that's the strength of their, their defense. You know, the Crosby and Ngakwe are, really having good years. I mean, not miles and clowny type years, but not far behind. So if you're throwing Hans and Hudson and Dunn out there and we don't get the tight ends back to help them, to, to give them the help that they need, that would be the area, the biggest area of concern as far as I can see. Uh, the rest of it, though, I, I think, yeah, I think they could win this game. I did find it strange that, you know, it's almost all offense. You know, the, the defense is is largely intact. So that would answer – that would lead me to believe anyway that it did start with David and it went around, you know, not like he did on purpose or anything, but you know, that's the, the genesis yeah. of it. And because they're in this room, the defense is in this room and all that kind of stuff. But my thoughts were uh, the short answer would be yes, but there are areas of concern for this question. I know you have thoughts on it too. Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're bad. I mean, I think it – it probably levels the playing field. I I, I don't know though. I, the Raiders are struggling, but Very they're not much. that they're not, they have capable guys. Like yeah. their quarterback's capable. If they put it all together, they're capable. Now it's no secret how miserable this season has been for Raiders uh, organization for their fans. It's been really a ton of stuff, man. Right. Like a lot of stuff. It does appear that they're ready to punt the season. Like you can just kind of read the vibes of it. Um, now this game uh, does, the good thing is uh, left coast coming to right coast that helps with the time zones. Um, but the strengths you mentioned are fair. It's a concern. And Gakwe and Crosby are two very good edge players, but the Browns have some things they can take advantage of. And two, I do, you know, I I've told, I told you this many times, Steve, I tell a lot of people that nobody believes in us theory. We're supposed to lose as a thing in the NFL that works. It, it does give teams a lot of motivation. Now we'll see if the Browns find motivation in this or not, but uh, there's countless examples over the last few years of this stuff becoming a thing, you know, the playoff game or the Cardinals, when they came to Cleveland without their offensive coordinator or head coach. And it's like, there's a lot there, man. So you, what you have to do though, is the saying, you know, nobody cares, work harder. No, no one, no one's going to, you know, feel sorry for the Browns for the situation they're in here. So they have to show up with the guys they have to that have the positions they do and go win a football game. You know, it's 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 not ideal. It sucks, but they're they need to win to keep their season alive. And they could go out there with banners on their back that says, well, you know, COVID screwed us or they can go out and try to win. And that's what they're going to have to do. So we'll see if they can come up with a way to do so. I think most level minded people would probably sit here and tell you they're clearly if they lose this game and they can't move the football and it's obvious, I don't think it takes rocket science to figure out why they would struggle in a game like this, but they need to do their best to win. And I think Kevin is 
already saying the right things and preaching the right things. And I think they're going to be doing their best to do that. But like a question I went back to you earlier, eventually the next man up theory only works if there's actually a next man up. Right. So eventually you can run out of things right before, before you, you know, there's, there's only so many bodies. There's only so many. So there's another good question before we go uh, over to the defense. If you want to answer that from old nine kid, uh, I, I, my, my mouse is charging. This uh, Apple mouse is, is dead to the world right now. So we'll have Steve throw that up. Um, is it easier, or less complex for backup O lineman to pass block or run block? It's actually a, it's actually a very good question. I actually think it's, boy, that's tough. It's almost, it's almost equal. I don't know. Maybe we could bring John on ask John that question. He's in the, He's in the lobby there. That's a good question. I mean, the thing you have to do is understand line checks, which I think most of the time line checks, slides, whatever, uh, are, are pretty universal. I actually think it's probably more complex to know the run assignments, um, you know, especially with moving parts and different fronts, like the Raiders play a different front than Baltimore. So I do think I would lean a little bit to the run side. Bring John in. Let's ask John that question. See if he's prepared to answer it or not. John, what's up, man? You see this question? Gents, what's going on? <laughs> what's up, brother? What do you think of this one? Um, you know, I'm gonna lean, I'm leaning towards you. I think that it's probably a little more difficult to uh to run block, just in that you're um you're gonna have more moving parts to it. Um protections are um, as you said, pretty universal across systems, half slides, full slides, you know. Mm-hmm. Full- Pretty old base. Well, really, run blocking is too, though. Um, but yeah, I would say probably run blocking, just because I think you're going to see a little more in terms of um, of looks and complexity. Let me ask you guys this: since you guys are are much better with the X's and O's uh, than I am, could and and it's hard to do this in a short week. But as far as the run blocking goes, I know that they're from watching Jake and watching you guys break it down. I know that their um, scheme calls for a lot of pulling, a lot of shifting, a lot of trading. I mean, it's a complex run blocking scheme. If they just went with the plays and they probably have them in their playbook that are basic straight ahead drive blocking that everybody's been running since high school, would that make it easier to run block or or is it still, you know, you, you got to figure it out and, and who's going where and all that kind of stuff? Or can they can they put in enough, I guess, is yeah. my question in three days to say, just hit the guy in front of you and knock him five yards back and find enough to win one game? I think I think they could. I mean, they run ISO, they run duo, which are very downhill blocking schemes. Duos like power without a puller. It's double teams at the point of attack. Inside zone, they run split zone. So I think that they'll be okay. I mean, they ran. Here's what blew me away, guys. In this last game, they ran 21 gap runs and only three zone runs. So they have like full on. They're not a wide zone system to me that much anymore. I don't. I'm not. They're not that. They are a counter power team who play actions off of the power counter stuff. So like this wide zone system, they, they've gone almost away from it. So um, the question's good. They do have some downhill stuff that they can do uh, that I think can eliminate a lot of thinking, a lot of the complexities. I think it gets complex when you had additional blockers to a side, whether it's a wing tight end or a sniffer or an additional sixth lineman, some of those things you have to think about, but um yeah I, I i think there's enough there iso they're so cut and and it's like even though they're second string players 
those guys have been practicing the power counter stuff that they do. They're all season. They're doing the, they, their drills, the the basics. They're always they can run wide zone in their sleep. Yeah, and I'm if sure they really you, need to. That yeah. those are day one installation yeah. rules, drills. Like that's they they can all run that in their sleep. I would agree with that for sure. So I I I, I hope having had done enhance around for essentially two years now, gone through the off season program, training camp, all of it. They know where they're supposed to be. Hudson is a little rougher run blocker than, or sorry, pass block. No, sorry, run blocker than pass blocker. We'll hope they can help him out a little bit more. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not. I think some people are really worried about the O line. I'm, I'm not. I think, you know, Jed, Jed hasn't been playing all that well at left tackle anyway. It's kind of been up and down. You know, I don't think Hans is going to be that much worse. And, you know, you're trying to replace White Teller. That part sucks, but I'm a big believer in Michael Dunn. So I think they can get by for a week with this stuff. It's not optimal, but I think they have a really good chance to, for what it's worth, to get by. Now the skill position is where I start to get concerned because we know how much they're struggling to make big plays happen as it is, how much we feel like we're dragging our nails on the chalkboard to get to 17 points from our offense. So that part of it is the concern. Practice time. How many how many reps are those guys like Jamarcus Bradley Lawrence Cage are going to get? How comfortable are they? If more you know Miller Forstall's forced to play a lot, um, you know, like it's it's a lot of looming questions there. So uh, I think the thing overall, as much as I can try to tell myself the O line will be okay, they could be. It's already not a very good offense, and then you're taking away some of the key elements of it. So the expectation for the Browns to get to 21 points little rough but again reminder they have been playing the ravens essentially we've been thinking about and watching the browns play the ravens for like a month that's what it's been and the ravens although beat up are so well coached very disciplined super physical and that's not every team and we'll see how they handle uh oak not oakland now not even los angeles the las vegas raiders we'll see how they handle them but that's not as good a defense Right as Baltimore, so that part of it can also mix into, oh wow, the Browns scored twenty eight points. How'd that happen? Well, you know they play the team that they don't play every single year and doesn't know their scheme stuff inside out, and that can help you a little bit. So we'll see. I, I'm not, I'm not world is crumbling here, but I'm also kind of like continuing with my message of the last few days, which is they're just kind of not a very good offensive football team anyway. So if you're expecting them to have some gigantic turnaround. That's probably an expectation problem for you. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'll kind of close with that. I don't know. Do you have anything else to add, Steve, before you split? I'll say one more thing before I make way for you guys to break down the film, that if they do lose this week and go to 7-7, seven and seven, they're not. it's not over, okay? I've, I've run all the scenarios. I've been watching it all. There are not just a couple. There are multiple scenarios where they can get in at 9-8 and eight if the two wins are against Pittsburgh and uh, Cincinnati. Now, obviously, yeah. they're going to need a lot more help uh, than they would if they can win three out of these last four. I'm not saying it'll be easy, but it's not over, over. It's not like they're eliminated or anything yeah. like that. So yeah. um, I, I'm with you. I think that they can find a way, especially since the Raiders are reeling, and let's hope that they are mentally folding up the tents, and it seems like they're on the precipice of that. That would be great. Um, but if they can't, there still is hope because they still have two of the teams they're contending with in front of them on their schedule that hopefully they'll be healthy by then 
and can handle their own business. So I just wanted to get that out there before I get out of here and you guys yeah. do all the, uh, the fun, uh, the fun stuff. Uh, thanks for having me on to say, uh, I don't know for 30 minutes. It's always fun to come on a show and do that. But the best, I don't know guy in the business right there, folks. I'm telling you the best Steve. Thanks buddy. We appreciate it. See you guys. Okay. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. A lot going on. A lot of COVID issues. We'll keep you apprised of everything we learned through the OBR through Brad Stainbrook, whatever, like I said, do our best to cover that for you as, as well as we can. Um, we will have the OBR Weekly on Twitch coming up the, tonight, Wednesday night, with Barry McBride and Fred Greetham. Make sure to check that out. Uh, otherwise, uh, we'll probably, like I said, I'll have that article up on the defense and what really caught my eye there. And, yeah, check out Chalk Talk. Two, two great pieces of film up on Twitch for you to check out both the offense and defense and learn some things about what they did if you're into that sort of thing. Reminder again, I appreciate every ounce of support we get, whether through Twitch the website or this podcast thank you so so much have a great day have a fun raiders guest coming on also a part of the blue wire podcast network recording with him on wednesday we'll have that up for you thursday morning you know what to expect behind enemy lines as we always do appreciate you guys being here listening supporting and go browns